In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Today is the second Sunday of Great Lent. Doesn't it seem like it should be further along? (laughs) I'm telling myself that it's because we're a little bit late for Great Lent and the Annunciation, which we celebrated a few days ago, came earlier in Lent than usual, and so it makes it seem like it's later in Lent. So this Sunday, the second Sunday in Lent, is dedicated to the memory of a very special saint, Gregory Palamas. Now, Gregory Palamas was a 14th century monastic, but also, before he was a monastic, monastic, a great scholar. I figured I'd adjust my mic a little bit. Listen to some of the things the church says about him. These are from the hymns of Vespers last night. Are there any worthy songs of praise so that we might sing them to the hierarch? For he is the trumpet of theology. He is a fire-breathing mouth of grace, the distinguished vessel of the Spirit, the pillar of the church, indeed, unshakable, the great joy and exaltation of the universe, the flowing river of wisdom and the lamp of divine light, and the resplendently shining star that illumines creation brilliantly. And that's just one hymn. The next hymn adds, he is a defender of orthodoxy, the adversary of heresy, the faith's most earnest protector, the great guide, leader and teacher of divine wisdom, the sacred and all harmonious harp, the spirit, the harp the spirit played, the golden tongue and the fountain, which is ever gushing forth to the faithful streams of cures the great and truly admirable Gregory. And others today add to these superlatives as we describe him. One today is of note. He is called the herald or the messenger of grace. St. Gregory came at a time when the church, in, in church history, when the church and the Byzantine Empire were oppressed from all sides by the Ottomans and their um, unbelieving uh, religion that was antagonistic against Christianity on the east. And on the west, the, by, by the Latins, by the um, intellectual um, scholastic uh, theology that was invading from the west. And Gregory emerges as a lamp of divine light and all these things. And his influence on the church was so great that we lift him up on this second Sunday. He was able to essentially betray the true faith by articulating the essence of the faith. And what exactly did he he teach? You won't get that from any of the hymns. 
My guess is because his teachings are so broad and so lofty that they are difficult to put into words in a short number of words. I'll try my best to put a little bit of a cap on them. Now, I and a friend were reading out of uh, Remember Thy First Love by um, Father Zacharias, and we came across a quote. And here it is. We must believe that God is the absolute truth of indestructible being. That God is. That God is. That is that he is the being. In him are two aspects. God is and God exists. God is the being which is unknowable and beyond participation. But he also exists because through his energy he enters into a living and personal relationship with his reasonable creatures. Let me repeat that again. The God, the being who is unknowable and beyond participation, exists through his energy. And through his energies, he enters into a living and personal relationship with his reasonable creatures. God himself has revealed that he is personal and that his existence is the energy which flows forth from his being. Now, if this doesn't blow your minds, I don't know what. You may think it's odd that I chose a quote from Father Zacharias when we're talking about um, Gregory Palamas. But it was hard to find something that distilled some of the essence of the teaching. When we read this together, we both looked at each other and said, that is Gregory Palamas. That is his influence on the church. Gregory Palamas has influenced and really defined how we speak about God, who he is, and how we relate to him since then. Now, Father John Mancantelli did a short homily last night, and he called St. Gregory Palamas, the great summarizer, in that he never said anything new. He took the writings of the church, of which he was very familiar, and especially the purity of his soul and his heart from his time as a hesychist on Mount Athos. And together, he was able to articulate the essence of the faith. Now, for us, I think, and for me especially, I can summarize this. What did he articulate that's so useful for us? That God is both infinite, incomprehensible, uncircumscribable, and many other big words that we use to describe our God. That this God is unknowable in his essence. And this is the language that St. Gregory used. Our God is unknowable in his essence. But this all-powerful God reveals himself in his energies. And you may have heard this before. His energies are his doings, 
and his activity. And we most often talk about God's energies by a word that you're very familiar with. And this is his grace. The grace that we partake of in the sacraments. The grace that we partake of in our baptism. The grace that we partake of in the ordination of a priest. The grace especially that we partake of in the body and blood of Christ. St. Gregory taught that this grace is not a created thing that God gives to us, but it is his energies. And his energies are uncreated, fully divine, and therefore fully God. So that when we say that we partake of the grace of God, we say, we mean, and we understand that we are partaking of God himself. That God himself is offering himself and sharing with us that we can participate through his energy, through his grace in this unknowable, infinite God. This is the good news of the gospel. And this is why this is called the second triumph of organ, orthodoxy. That we have a personal God who loves us, who desires for us to know him, to experience him, to share in him, he pursues us, and if we pursue him, we will find him. He will transform him, us and share himself with us. As we draw near to God, he draws near to us, and he gives us his life. And it is in his grace, in his holy, uncreated energies, that we become more like him. So what is our job? Our job, as is displayed in today's Gospels, is mostly to show up. Showing up is profoundly difficult in this world. To show up before God, to present ourselves to our Master, to present ourselves, to enter into his presence with a heart that is open so that his grace and love can be extended to us and that we can receive him into us. Now today's gospel is one of my favorites. It is full of drama, and we must read between the lines and think a little bit deeply about must, what must have happened. This is near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he has come home, and his family home had become Capernaum up by the sea of Galilee at some point in his life. And it says that Jesus entered Capernaum and it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, even about the, the door. And he was teaching them. He was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic lay. Imagine. You're in a very, very crowded home. One translation says that they were digging through the roof. Imagine you're in the middle of a conversation with the Lord, being taught by the Lord, and all of a sudden you hear this commotion, 
and a hole. Not a little hole, but a big hole that is big enough for a man on some sort of a pallet to be lowered down. If you're the people surrounding Christ, there is dirt and material falling all around. I imagine the people are shouting, hey, what are you doing up there? This is a what, this is an outrage. What are you doing? Can't you see the Lord is trying to teach here? This is a dramatic event. And yet somehow, through their efforts, their incredible efforts, they are able to lower him down, apparently with ropes or something, into the presence of our Lord. And our Lord looks at him and apparently it's now become silent because he's now before the Lord. And the Lord says to him, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now why did he say this? Because he says he looked at them. Now to look at them, he had to look down at the man and up at the four faces shining through the hole. And he says he saw their faith. And when he saw their faith, he said, My son, your sins are forgiven. This is an audacious effort to bring someone to Christ, to bring someone into the presence of Christ so that his grace might be available to them. St. Nikolai of Okrid says that this is an illustration of God's strange words in Matthew 11. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. These men desired so strongly in their love for their friend to bring him into the presence of God, because the presence of Christ God, because they knew he could heal them. And they were going to let nothing stop them. <coughs> the kingdom of God and his grace are available to us, and we must take it. And the message for us is that we can do, should do everything, all we can, that we should exert all of our strength, work while we have light, pray without ceasing, beg, knock, seek, fast, give alms, serve, so that all of us can open our hearts to God's grace so that we can be healed and we can participate in Him. Now this gospel is a beautiful image of what God wants for us. He wants to give us his grace. He wants to give us himself. But who is his grace for? Who is his grace for? Who is, it who is intended to receive his grace? The world, the spirit of this world, wants to divide us all into us and them. It seems like there are many us's and many them's when we talk about all sorts of different things. When we talk about education, when we talk about politics, when we talk about economics, when we talk about international diplomacy, there's us and there's them. And my brothers and sisters, there is no them. There is only us. God's grace is for all. Now, during the time of Lent, we are encouraged to look inward 
and to pay attention to our own souls, to desire to know God and his grace. There was once a conversation between St. Silouan and a certain hermit that St. Sophroni relates. The hermit said with a certain satisfaction, God will punish the atheists. They will burn in everlasting fire. Obviously upset, St. Silouan said, tell me, supposing that you went to paradise and there looked down, there looked down and saw somebody burning in hellfire, would you feel happy? The hermit replies, it can't be helped. It would be their own fault. The stars answered him with a sorrowful expression. Love could not bear that. We must pray for all. God's grace is intended for every single person. So as we work, we do all we can to bring ourselves into the presence of God, that we might be open and receive his grace. We must do all we can for those around us so that others may find a way into God's presence. Bringing others to Christ, as we see in today's gospel, is challenging, it's risky, it's dangerous, it's humbling. And not all of us are equipped to be able to go out and preach the gospel to people. But all of us are equipped to do the hardest thing of all, and that is to pray. Imagine if each time we encountered a person, any person, the person at the coffee shop, at the grocery store, the co our colleagues at work, if we, when we approach them, what is in our mind is our desire that they be saved. When we meet them and we're in our interactions with them, that one of our thoughts is that we hope for their salvation, that we are concerned that they would know the grace of God as we are beginning to know the grace of God. What would that do to our interactions? I'm pretty sure that we would judge people less, we would criticize people less, and our conversations would be more seasoned with the love of God. So my brothers and sisters, it is hard enough for us to care for our own souls. It is the difficult work that we must do daily to bring ourselves into God's presence. But God provides. And it is when we care and pour ourselves out for the salvation of those around us is that when we fulfill our purpose and that by God's grace, we become more like him. It is by God's grace that we become more like him. And what seems too great to do, because we feel like we don't have enough, but then when we pour ourselves out, God is faithful to fill us with the grace, to fill us with himself, so that we always have that grace to spare. And we can share our love and the grace of God with others for their salvation. Amen.
Sorry, it's not.